Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to In the Kitchen with Courtney and Carrie. I am Courtney Smith, and I will be assisting Carrie this evening. Today is Sunday, April the 10th, 2022, and we want to thank all of you for joining us. Just as a reminder, we want to keep this room safe, welcoming, and respectful. So um, in just a few minutes, I'll turn it over to Tori, and she will tell you about raised hands and all those commands that you need to participate. If you would like to get in touch with any of the cooks at ACB, you can send us an email at acbcooks at gmail.com. Be sure to join our uh, email list. And to do that, you can send an email to acbcooks plus sign subscribe at groups.io. I will give that information uh, at the end and so you can write it down or you can find it in the description of today's call. To listen to the ingredient list for all the calls, you can call 662-443-2664 and get a list of all the ingredients for the calls being held that week. So I am going to turn it over to Tori to go over the commands, and then she will turn it over to Carrie. So good evening, Tori. Hello. Okay, please bear in mind this meeting is being recorded for quality and safety purposes, so you will need to hit that got it button if you are planning on participating. And to do that, if you are on a PC, you will use Alt-Y to raise your hand. And when you are called on, Alt-A to mute or unmute. On a Mac, it will be Option-Y to raise your hand and Command-Shift-A to mute or unmute. On a landline telephone, keypad telephone, whatever you want to call it, it will be Star-9 to raise your hand and Star-6 to mute and unmute. And on an iPhone or tablet, you will use the more option, which will have raised hand in it, which is on the lower right hand of your screen to raise your hand. And the mute button can be found on the lower left hand of your screen if you want to mute and unmute. All right, thank you, Tori. Well, welcome everybody. This is Carrie Winans. I'm in Fort Worth, Texas, and I'm coming from you, coming to you from my kitchen here in Fort Worth, where we are having a little windstorm, which is always fun on a on a Sunday evening. So tonight, I'm going to walk you through how to prepare a pork shoulder. Now, let's talk about the pork shoulder to begin with, to even know what we're dealing with. A pork shoulder is part of the pig, and it is the shoulder portion, so it is the front end of the pig. Now, with that said, you will set, you will go to, when you go to the grocery store, you might see a large pork roast or a large pork shoulder, and that part with a bone would include part of the arm, and when it includes the arm, that is actually considered a pork roast. So um, a lot of people in different parts of the country have different names for this 
type of cut of meat. Because it is called a prime cut, some people actually call it a pork butt. So if you are with different cooks, you could be talking about a pork roast, a pork shoulder, or a pork butt. And most of the time, you guys are all probably talking about the same cut of meat. Now, it's important to know whether or not you're getting a bone-in or a boneless pork roast or pork shoulder. So when you're at the grocery store, you can look on the top shelf of your meat where the pork is, and in packages are smaller, like three to six pounds of pork shoulder. Those are typically boneless. The ones on the bottom shelf are usually your pork roast. That includes the arm, which would have the bone in it. If you're unsure of which product you're getting, absolutely ask your butcher. He will come out and help you and he will find the right cut for you. Why this is so important is because how meat is cooked with a bone or without a bone makes a huge difference on your cooking temperatures and your length of cook. And also, um, if you're having a bone in your meat, in your meat, that is another step of adding it to flavor to other recipes later. So, you know, it's just one of those things where you kind of want to know ahead of time, oh, am I going to have to, to, you know, take this bone out and cool it down, wrap it up and put it in a freezer bag and store it for later. So, you know, we'll get into all that later, you know, if you guys want to discuss that. So, but tonight is a simple pork shoulder. And I got this one here that I'm doing tonight is a four pound. So four pounds of meat is a lot of meat for uh, one to two people. So what I do is I buy two of these just to double my problems, of course. But I did one earlier today and I made it slightly different in the recipe. But as it's cooled down and I shred it, I then freeze it. So that way, when I go to make other um, recipes with pork, I then have that availability of already having stuff made, prepared and cooked. And then in the recipes or your time management in the evenings go so much faster. So tonight I'm gonna to make it pretty simple. I'm gonna make it pretty, um, you know, just, it has flavor, but this one here is what I call plain Jane. And the reason why I wanted to do a plain Jane tonight is because later on this week, I am doing a dinner party and we are going to have pulled pork barbecue sandwiches. And I think on Saturday, we have a ball game that we are going to be in attendance. And so I've been asked to bring a Cuban sandwich. And I can go over both those recipes um, after we prepare this pork shoulder today. So the pork shoulder in itself, mine at my grocery store, and this could be different at everybody. So, you know, just keep an open mind. Mine comes in a package. So it has like a sealed plastic covering on it. And you can feel the hardness of where it has been vacuum sealed and then um, pressed down to seal it properly. 
So what you're going to do is you're going to take your kitchen knife, or I'm sorry, your kitchen scissors, and you're just going to open up this package. Just be real careful. You know, um, in my kitchen, I have several sets of scissors. I have one that's just for chicken. I have one that's just for cutting up vegetables. And then I have one for the, you know, you need to open up a package that no food's gonna get on it. Um, I think some people may think that's a little eccentric, but that's what works for me in my kitchen. I like to keep, you know, everything with chicken separate, including cutting boards, knives, and like I said, even scissors. So this package opens up real easy. You just, you know, take the end, cut it off. And then what I do is I take the scissors and I go down the top of the pork roast and just open it up a little bit. Once you have it open up just a little bit, I just kind of shimmy the packaging down and I'm gonna put it in a stock pot or a Dutch oven. So tonight's recipe, I'm gonna go ahead and use the stock pot. Now mine is a very, very heavy duty stock pot and it is oven safe, including the lid. That is gonna be super important for this recipe. So I'm just gonna take my pork roast and just lay it right into my stock pot, or yeah, into my stock pot, and take the packaging and throw it away and give my hands a quick wash because you do get a little juice on your hands. <clears throat> when you're dealing with pork, you do want to be careful of, you know, transferring, you know, juices from you know, one food item to another. So, you know, washing hands and I usually keep a dish towel either on my apron or I keep a dish towel on my shoulder while I cook at all times. So with this one, I have added the roast into the stock pot and now I have an onion. This recipe I'm gonna do tonight, I prefer a simple white onion. You can go yellow onion, which is fine, but I do not suggest the red onion. The red onion just does not stand up well in this recipe to a long cook, okay? So let's go with the onion basics. There's two ends to the onion. There's the hairy end, as some people refer to it as, that is your root. On the other end is the top of the bulb. And that is actually where all the layers of onion come together. So what we're going to do, and this is how I cut my onion on this particular recipe, because all we're going to have to do is quarter a full onion. And quarter, so a quarter is obviously four wedges, okay? So the first thing I do is I take my knife. And I run it through my sharpener. To me, a sharp knife is a better knife. A dull knife introduces cuts and everything. I do work with a sharp knife. If you are not comfortable with a sharp knife, I understand. And there's no judgment here. But for me, I've always liked sharp knives and keeping them clean and sharp helps me with my cooking and keeping my cuts even. So I just cut the top off, which is where the bulb was, okay? Now I turn the onion on the side and I'm gonna cut the hairy, off, hairy end off. 
So what I can do is I can place my knife where the hairy end, you'll feel it as you come down the onion, you can feel it. So I just raise my knife up just a little bit and then slice down. So the hairy end is now off. So the hairy end and the bulb end all go into the compost pile and they will be redistributed out to the herb garden later this week with the other stuff. So now you're just left with the onion with the dried skin on the edge. So you just peel that, that dryness off. And you will know when you get down to the layer of onion, you know, where it starts to get moist. You know, it's that old adage saying, you know, you just never know a problem until you peel back the onion. And this is kind of the uh, little joke behind it because an onion does have many, many layers to it. So while I peel this off, Tori, do we have any questions? Not at this time. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Okay, so we have all the dried part of the onion off. And like I said, we put that in our little compost pile. So now you're gonna lay the onion flat. Take your sharp knife and you're gonna cut it down in half. So you're gonna have half an onion on each side once you're finished. I keep my hand away from the knife, obviously. And now I just quarter turn the whole onion, even, even though it's cut, I keep it together and do a quarter turn find the middle of the onion and I slice back down. So with that, you now have four perfect wedges of onions. Those are gonna go straight into your stock pot with your pork roast or pork shoulder. I do apologize, this is a pork shoulder tonight. So with that, the knife, and the cutting board are done. I will put the cutting board back, you know, I will put that in the hot sudsy water that I've already had set up. And then for knife safety, if you're gonna keep cooking and everything, you need to really know where your knives are at all points. So this one here is a, what they call a butcher's knife. Mine is about four to five inches long. It's about two inches wide. And it is, like I said, extremely sharp. So what I like to do is I like to wash my utensils like this as I go and put them back into the wooden um, holder. So that way I do not lose track of my knives. So please excuse the water while I get this Nice clean. Now you want to use hot sudsy water and then dry it with your dish towel. And then we're going to look at you. My knives actually have a wooden handle at the end. So for my knives, usually about once a month, if not more often, I will take mineral oil and I will rub those into the handles. And that keeps the handles from drying out. So any wooden utensil or wooden cutting board that you use, remember to take care of those by adding mineral oil 
to keep them moist. It also keeps them from splintering. And it gives you a clean handle, it actually, each time you use it, okay? So now back to the stock pot. We have the roast and we have the onions in there. And the next thing we're gonna do is we're gonna add two cans of Dr. Pepper. I am not endorsing Dr. Pepper. So if you have another soda that is flavored with the Dr. Pepper taste to it, please feel free to use it. So the recipe calls for two cans. And I actually made, like I said, the pork roast this morning under a different flavor profile. And so for me, cost-wise, it makes more sense to buy the two liter bottle of pop and pour half of it in one and half in the other one. Um, I priced it out here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So a two liter bottle of pop here is a dollar nine. If you go and buy cans and it's not something you drink, the cans cost $3.79. So there is a cost savings by using the actual two liter product. And there's no difference really in flavor or taste, whether you go with the two liter bottle or even the cans. So I'm just going to pour half of this Dr. Pepper into the stock pot. And it is carbonated drink, so it will fizz up a little bit. So don't be little, you know, don't just glug it in there, kind of, you know, let it settle down a little bit. And with that, um, this two liter bottle pop should be done and empty. And of course that's gonna go into recycling and the lids have to go in the trash. The bottle can go in the recycling bin and we're good to go there. Pretty, pretty, pretty simple. So since I'm doing this one as a plain Jane, those are the basic, those are the basic ingredients for my pork roast. But I love a little flavor. So I am gonna add the minced garlic and this is the minced garlic out of the jar that has a little bit of oil in it. And I'm just gonna go ahead and just sprinkle that over the top of the pork roast. And a little bit will do a lot. And then also with that, I'm going to add a splash of liquid smoke. Liquid smoke is a very potent, overbearing flavor. So be very cautious of how much you use. I, like I said, I will only use a splash and that will do enough for what we're doing on a pork roast. And that pork roast will grab that flavor. It'll give you that smoky intense flavor. Um, it'll be backed up with the garlic and it'll be back behind the onions. So it's a good layering process. So actually at this point, your roast is prepared and ready. So you're gonna take your lid, you're gonna put it on your stock pot, and you really need to look at your lid. If they are glass or if they're oven temped, this is perfect. If they are plastic, 
do not put those in your oven, okay? If your lid is plastic and you still want to use your stock pot, take some aluminum foil and do a real tight seal on the top of this pot. This recipe can also be done in the crock pot. If you want to do it in a crock pot, the recommended time is six hours on low. If you are going to use the oven, which I have been actually using my oven more often here, when it comes to crock pot temperatures versus ovens, keep this in mind. On a crock pot, low is 200 degrees, high is 300 degrees. So I am going to cook this at 300 in the oven. It is only four pounds. So with that, I will cut that cooking time down to about two and a half, three hours. At two and a half hours, I will take my meat reading thermometer and check the temperature of the pork. You wanna make sure your pork is cooked properly and thoroughly, especially since we're going to be storing and freezing most of it um, throughout the process. So with that, the oven has been preheated because obviously I just did the other pork roast and you just put it right in the oven. Now I am a daredevil as some people may say, but I open my oven to the front and I pull the handle all the way down. And with that, your stock pot should have handles. If they don't have handles, you know, grab some pot holders, you know, and, you know, make it easy on yourself. And you just slide that right into your oven. And you just tell Echo, oh, shut the door, I'm sorry. And you just tell Echo, set timer for two and a half hours. Echo, set timer for two and a half hours. Second timer. Two hours and 30 minutes, starting now. Do you want to name this timer? No. So that is the basic recipe of my pulled pork or my pork shoulder recipe. Tori, do we have any hams? No, we do not. Okay, great. So well, let's look at the other pork roast that I made. When I take the lid off, it's going to be very tender. So at that point, I will take it out of the stock pot. And what I use is what they call meat forks. So those are two large forks. And you can use them. Some people use them at uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas for their turkeys or for their hands. But they are actually extended fingers that are usually steel. And you can grab underneath your meat and put it in a bowl. And you just shred it with two forks. Um, once I've shredded it, I will then put it in freezer bags of two cups each for most standard recipes. Okay. So with that, um, we can talk about my earlier pork roast. Um, I did not add garlic to it, but instead I added, um, Mexican flavoring which is like a taco seasoning or a Mexican blend. And I will use that rest, those freezer bags for things like enchiladas, tacos, nachos, 
Um, I might even use it for, you know, King Ranch chicken casserole. You know, anything with a Mexican flair, because I, we do eat a lot of Mexican food, um, and we do enjoy it. You can also make that famous Rotel cheesy dip and put some of this type of pork in there to enhance your flavor of your cheese dip. So, you know, it's really kind of simple to just be able to pull it right out of the freezer and go. Courtney, do you have any other tips or tricks on some of the things that you use pork for? You would catch me as I was walking away from my phone. Um, <laughs> Sorry, girl. We, oh, that's fine. We use, we eat a lot of pork, pulled pork sandwiches here. Um, so I cook mine similar to how Carrie does. I don't use the Dr. Pepper because typically we don't try to keep soda in the house much. So, um, but we can talk about that in a little bit. Um, something I like is um, pork nachos. You mentioned, you know, the pork enchiladas and all. Um, and sometimes I will take it, the pulled pork, and cut it into just smaller pieces, even though it's shredded. I, you know, cut it down into smaller pieces and I put it in my baked beans sometimes. Nice. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think if I do, what else I do? I can't remember anything else, but I will, you know, reiterate Carrie's statement about the liquid smoke. A little bit goes a long way. So um, start out with maybe a couple of teaspoons or a couple of capfuls. Um, and then if you want a more smoky flavor, then you can, you know, add more later. But it does, it adds a new depth to the, the meat and to the flavoring. And it, you know, tastes like it was smoked out on your grill. Yeah. But um, that's all I have at the moment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, like, you know, we were saying, you know, sometimes you don't always have a grill available. So it's kind of nice to have that little smoke, you know, taste, you know, into your meats. So the, the recipe tonight that I use, the plain Jane. So uh, I think it's Wednesday. I think it's when I have that little party on Wednesday night. What I will do is I will take the Hawaiian rolls, those sweet Hawaiian rolls that um, you take a knife and you cut down the center and you cut the tops off. And you take that top off, you put it to the side. And then you will take a brush with a mixture of garlic butter and mustard and kind of brush stroke over the bait, the bottom part of your Hawaiian rolls. Once you do that, you're going to then make a layer of cheese. You can use any cheese you want. My favorite on this sandwich is Gouda or uh, the um, provolone cheese. And I will just layer, do a single layer of cheese on the bottom on top of my mustard and garlic butter. Then from there, I will add the pulled pork. And then from there, what I will do is I will try, and I say try, to put two pickles, you know, like every one inch apart. So that way, every sandwich will have a, a pickle on it. This is not a true Cuban style recipe by any means, but it's as close as to Cuba as I'm going to get. 
if somebody else has a great Cuban sandwich, I will try it. I love them. I've spent many, many, many nights in Florida, and we went to a lot of great Cuban restaurants. And you know, let's let's leave let's leave the good food to the experts. That's what I say on that. So anyway, I'll take the the top of the rolls, put it back onto the you know where the pickles are now. You know, so now you have pickles, pork, you have cheese, and then you have the sauce, and then you have the bottom bun. And you're going to put that on the baking sheet, and you're going to bake that for about 20 minutes at about 350. And with that, you will be able to take a, a serrated knife and cut by feeling the tops of the buns. And you'll have like 12 little perfect, what they call sliders. And those are great little um, appetizers to take to parties. Um, it's often requested um, on, out of my kitchen. And they're very simple. They're very easy to make. Um, the, the, but by going plain on the flavor, you can then change so many things because even though I made that, then on Saturday, I believe is the other pork night we're having and we're doing barbecue. So since this has a little bit of smoke flavor in it, I can then take a simple pre-made barbecue sauce. And, you know, again, I'm not going to start any controversy on barbecue sauces because we probably have eight different flavors in this country alone. I do like the Kansas City style barbecue flavor best. And, you know, and I will stick with that recipe um, out of the jar, to be honest. I have made my own barbecue sauce. I do enjoy making it. But in a pinch, it's, for me, it's easier to use the pre-made barbecue sauce um, out of the jar. And so with that, all you have to do is put your barbecue sauce in a saucepan, add your pork, stir it up, let it kind of savor, kind of let it, you know, build up in flavor a little bit. And what I usually do is I put it in a large, larger flat bowl with um, tongs that have little fork ends to it. So it grabs that meat and I usually serve it with a bunch of um, different types of rolls. You know, sometimes it's brioche, sometimes they're just plain, you know, um, Hawaiian rolls, whatever. And then that way everybody can make their own little pulled pork sandwich. So it's very versatile and it goes back to, you know, I think what Courtney and I were trying to build from the beginning. You know, you take a, a four pound roast, you make it, you freeze part of it. And then, you know, as your days or your weeks, you know, things come up, you know, you have kids birthday parties, you have, you know, you have get togethers, you have friends that just drop by. It's so easy to pull stuff out of your refrigerator or out of your freezer and still serve a great meal. And then you're only dealing with sides or even just a salad and it makes life so much simpler. So Tori, do we have any hands? We do. Jane has her hand raised. Hi, Jane. What's up, girl? Hi. Um, what is the easiest <laughs> way to um label your i'm sure there's going to be a lot of meats and stuff to label your freezer items i figure because there's going to be two flavors of pork how do you label your your things 
<laughs> well, for, for me, um, I am I am newly blind, so I have not completed my Braille courses yet. Um, I'm only halfway through them, so I have a Audible pen. And when I purchased this Audible pen, there were two types of labels. There was a standard label and a freezer label. And that freezer label goes on your Ziploc baggie, your freezer Ziploc baggie. And I push my pin down and I hit the record button. And then I can say pork or cooked pork um, on April of 2022, Mexican flavored. And so then I can put that into my freezer and then I have to take my pin and I have to put it on that label and it will read it to me. So, but what I've done recently due to Courtney and her suggestions is I've organized my freezer. So I have little bins. So I have one that has just pork. I have one that's just turkey, uh, beef, of course. And then, you know, within my pork, you know, if I have different flavors. I try to keep them separated, you know, or grouped together, but that pin is my, is my saving grace. Now, I know a lot of you who know Braille have Braille labelers, which um, I would love to get to that level. Does that answer your question, Jane? Yes, but Braille and freezer, <laughs> they don't always mix very well <laughs> for me anyway. <laughs> Well, if anybody has any tips or tricks on the Braille labeling, I mean, it's, it's great to share that because I think everybody has that same struggle, Jane. You're, you know, you're not out in that ocean by yourself by any means. Okay, Tori, do we have any other questions? Not at this time. Okay. And Tori, what's our time check right now? It is 33 minutes past the hour. Okay. So since this recipe was so simple and so easy to make, and, you know, we've given you some other ideas as to, you know, what to do with pulled pork and how to store it. Um, when you do freeze it, I would only freeze it for three to four months. Um, you know, keep your freezer rotated, you know, um, come up with a system that works for you. Um, I actually have a reminder set on my Lady A device that reminds me what is in my freezer and it goes off every Monday. And that helps me also meal plan for the next week. I can kind of figure out what I want to do grocery list wise, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it's your kitchen, work with what works for you. But if you need ideas or if you just need to bounce an idea off somebody, um, you know, any of us, you know, within the ACB community will help you. I know Courtney will definitely help you. I will help you. You know, you can definitely reach out to uh, Janine, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm sure Herbie will have some kind of response for you, you know, to work with. So, you know, reach out to us and, and do that. So Courtney, do you know what we're going to next weekend is we're off for Easter. Yes. And then the week after that, what are we going to make you think? I don't know because it depends on if I have company that weekend. Um, so if I have company, I'm probably going to fix a dessert. And if I don't, then we may work on some stir fry or something. So, because I know that has been a request. Um, so I don't know yet. 
but I will put it out on the email list and also on Facebook. And then the ingredient list will be on the recorded line as well. And to answer Jane's question about brailing, um, some of the suggestions I have is get you some index cards. You can cut those into strips and um, then you can brail on that and maybe run a punch a hole on one end of it, put a rubber band through it, and then just wrap it around your back. And then you know what, what it is. Because, you know, if you start using Dymo tape on frozen things, that doesn't do very well from my experience. And, um, but if it's something that you're gonna continuously cook, so say, you know, you're gonna cook a bunch of ground beef and season it up for tacos. You know, you might want to do the same thing with a Dymo label like you did with the index card. Just, you know, punch a hole in one end of it, roll it, say taco meat, and then run you some elastic cording or a rubber band through there and just wrap it around your bag. Or sometimes what I'll do is I will get like a two gallon Ziploc bag and put the smaller bags of meat in that. So when I cook up my big batches of ground beef, I portion them out in one cup portions in smaller bags. And I take those smaller bags and I put them in a two gallon Ziploc bag and then in the freezer. So that, that helps with organization as well. In the past, when I had um, a deep freeze instead of an upright freezer, I would use the small plastic shoe boxes and organize my meat that way. So there was, um, I had one for beef, one for chicken, one for pork, and then, you know, turkey. I had some for vegetables. Um, so there's many ways to organize. Um, now that I have my upright freezer, it has, I believe, four shelves and two drawers. So I'm a little anal. So I like my stuff alphabetized. So top shelf is beef. Second shelf is chicken. Third shelf is pork. A fourth shelf is everything else. And usually I, you know, know what's on my bottom shelf. And, you know, maybe make a chart, you know, grill you a chart of letting you know what's in each bucket. That's another way to organize as well. Those are great ideas, Courtney. I mean, I just love, I just love being organized. That's, it's so much easier in the kitchen to be organized. So if we, Tori, do we, we have do, any? Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Who? Um, telephone number with the area code 808. Hey, Hello? Carrie, how are you doing? This is That's uh, my Kenny. Penny. Hawaii again. Yeah, I forgot Courtney, my Penny. Hi. Hi, oh man. Um, hi. I, I wish I was on the Starship Enterprise right now because I would have Scotty beam me over there for some of that pork. Man, it sounds delicious. I wouldn't stay long. I'd just get a couple of sliders and leave, but it sounds great. Sounds great. Oh, but my you... question is. Yes. Huh? Go, go no, you, you go ahead with your question. My question is, you, you've referred to this as just stockpot. Is that the same as a Dutch oven? Is that your Dutch oven? No, a Dutch oven and a stockpot are two different, um, two different types of pots. So a Dutch oven okay. is actually like a heavy cast iron that is coated. 
And that is one of my favorite, absolute favorite pots to cook with because it is so heavy and it keeps the heat in so well. A okay. stock pot okay. is actually a pot that a lot of people will boil their water for their pasta or even make um, soups, you know, and stuff like that in. Anything with a, with a high okay. volume of liquid. Okay. So it is two okay. different. And it also goes. It also goes in the oven. Then. Okay. All right. Yes, good, but like good, I said, good. you need to make sure you need to make sure that your lid is a proper oven temp lid before you do it, because I do not want to be replacing your entire kitchenware. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've really been thinking about getting a Dutch oven, and, and uh, I think I'm just going to break down and, and get one. But great recipe, man. Oh, well, thank you so much. Now, Kenny, if you do come out here to Texas, you're not going to stay for two slices. You're going to stay for two weeks, okay? And then we're going to cook everything in this kitchen. Okay, buddy? Right, right. Uh, you, you can put your labels for the pork aside because I don't think you'll have any left to go in the freezer if I'm there. So, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Kenny. I love it. And by the way, the last time right, I was in Hawaii, we did the... Um, pig in the sand roasting, and that was the most delicious pork I've ever had in Hawaii. I loved it. Right, they call it the Kalua pig. Yeah, <laughs> the Kalua pig. Yeah, that's great. You guys keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you, Kenny. All right, Tori, are there any other hands? Not at this time, though. Okay, so I think we have porked this pork, um, you know, and so. This morning, I was listening to the ACB Presents. Um, unfortunately, I did not really get on the call. I was just what they call ghosting. I was sitting in the audience listening while I was getting ready for my little exercise routine. But I noticed a lot of people love deviled eggs. So I wanted to share with some of you, well, with all of you, actually, some of the tips that I use for deviled eggs. If... If you use store-bought eggs, there's nothing wrong with them, okay? I love them. I use them myself. But if you want a perfect deviled egg, a very Southern woman in my life taught me that you take your egg carton, you open it up, you take those eggs and you turn them from one end to the other end, so you turn them upside down. And I thought this lady had lost her ever-living mind. But what that does is that re-centers the yolk inside the egg because sometimes your eggs sit there for a while and the yolks will actually drop to the bottom. And for some of you who have made doubled eggs, you know how it is. One end seems to be a lot of white and the other end is a very thin little skin. And you're like, well, darn. So by flipping it, and then you let it sit in your refrigerator for about a day, up to two days. Then when you go to boil them or whether you use Instapot, whatever you use to make your double, your hard boiled eggs, <coughs> your yolk will be centered in that egg. And it is, it's an unbelievable trick and I'm so glad she shared it with me. The other thing that we were talking about as we were walking this morning is, you know, around Easter, people have a tendency to buy a lot of eggs because you're dying Easter eggs, you're making deviled eggs, you're making egg salads, you're making potato salads, you know, you use a lot of eggs, but sometimes 
you don't use all of them and they sit in your refrigerator for a while. So some of the tricks that I've learned to find out if the eggs that I have are still good is the first is smell. If you can smell an egg, which means into, you know, I don't want to be offensive to anybody, but if you smell that, that gassy smell, those are not good eggs. Go ahead and throw those out and start over. If they don't have the gassy smell and you're like, well, I've had them in here for a couple of weeks. I don't know. Not sure. There is a test. And I have actually tried this. Um, I tried it today because I had to make sure my, my theory was correct. Take a glass of water or a bowl, fill it up with water. You place the egg in the water. If the egg goes to the bottom and it sinks, the egg is good. But if that egg comes to the top and starts rising and, you know, obviously being blind, you're, you're putting your finger into the bowl or to the glass and you can feel the top of the egg coming up, that means it's full of air and it is going bad. So those are my ideas. And those are kind of some of the testing ways to make sure that you're having good eggs because, you know, this is the season for eggs and I just want everybody to be safe with them. So, you know, Courtney, I knew I, I threw that out there and you weren't prepared for that, but do you have any other ideas on the eggs? Uh, no, that's how I check my eggs. And on one end of the carton, it will say, I think it's sell by date. And that means that that's when the eggs are at their freshest. And to get them at their freshest, you know, to, the, the store needs to sell them by that particular date. That does not mean if they're in your refrigerator and it's two or three weeks after that, that they're bad. It just means they're not as fresh as they were when you bought them. Um, of course, I've learned all that from working in the grocery business um, for about 15 years. Um, and I, I do like Carrie. You know, I, I put them in a bowl of water and I check them out. To, and if they start the smaller end of the egg, if it starts tilting up to the top of the water, that goes in the trash. And I have had eggs that have been in my home for six weeks or longer. And I check that and they're fine every time. Mm -hmm. So I've never, you know, that's ne that trick has never failed me. Is basically what I'm saying. So that that's a good, good tip there, Carrie. Oh, thank you. You know, I mean, you know, obviously this community, you know, we talk a lot. And when I heard them talk about the double eggs this morning, I was like, man, I really hope everybody knows how to check those eggs because sometimes you just never know, you know, how long those eggs have been sitting in that refrigerator. <laughs> All right, Tori, do we have any other questions? We do not. And it is 14 minutes to the top of the hour. Okay, great. Well, with that, y'all, um, you know, I hate to cut everybody short. Like um, I, I do like I'm in severe weather. And, you know, I kind of want to uh, shut down the electricity and everything and get into some safe areas. So, Courtney, would you like to wrap us up with, um, with everything? 
Sure. All right. Thanks again so much to everyone for joining us tonight. Thanks, Herbie, for streaming our call. Tori, thank you so much for hosting for us. And Carrie, thank you for facilitating and bringing us this delicious recipe. To our participants, thank you all for coming because without each of you, we would not have a call. Uh, if you would like to connect with any of the cooks, uh, Herbie or Janine, me or Carrie, you can send us an email at acbcooks at gmail.com and we will, I will forward it to the correct cook. And if you want to get these recipes in your inbox every week, send a blank email to acbcooks plus sign subscribe at groups.io and that will get you subscribed to the list. Not only do you get recipes, sometimes I send out articles that I think might be of interest to our cooks um, with some good ideas. And even some of those have some recipes in them. So be sure to get subscribed to that. And if you need a list of ingredients, you can call 662-443-2665 and get the list of ingredients for all three calls that will be happening that week. Um, I will say Janine is taking a break for a few weeks. So she should be joining us back in May. And uh, so you'll just have the ingredients for In the Kitchen with Courtney and Carrie in, in Herbie's Cooking Corner for the next few weeks. So again, thank you all so much for coming and we will see you at the next community event and y'all have a great evening.